Amen. Hallelujah. Aren't you excited about being in the house of God? Amen. I just want to tell you that you have a wonderful church. And wonderful churches are not exempt from problems. But that doesn't mean they're still not a wonderful church. You can go to any church, anywhere, anytime, from two people to 20,000 people. There's going to be things that we can find wrong. But that does not mean that they're not a good church. Churches that are on the move, churches that are growing and progressing in God will have struggles. It's indicative of growth. It's indicative of change. And when change comes, some of us try to buck against change. I'll be the first one to tell you. I do not like change as if if it was up to me, my whole house would have white walls and there would be nothing hanging on it. That way I'd never have to repaint. I'd never have to patch holes. And if I did, the caulking's white. So who knows? That's just me. And when that bleeds into a congregation or take it out of the church walls and put it in, in the secular world into a business, There's going to be friction. But you can't let friction override growth. You have to grow in spite of friction. And let the love of God have its free course in a church. Amen. Stand with me tonight if you would. It has been indeed a wonderful privilege to be with you And watch what God has done in this church. My wife is sick this evening. I have some kids that are sick as well. So, But they want you to know that they love you so much. And we have developed wonderful, wonderful friendships throughout this time. I appreciate the hospitality of your pastor. Generosity, his love for my family. John chapter 4. I'll begin with verse 7. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which in am a woman of Samaria? the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, 
But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and in that saidst thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I preach tonight sincere worship. Sincere sincere worship father tonight we need the help of the holy ghost i pray for the hand of god to minister and to move in this place god i pray that the word of the lord would not return void but that it would accomplish your perfect will in this house tonight my lord i pray that you would grip the hearts of those here and that you would draw us tonight in the name of jesus we pray can we clap our hands unto the lord Hallelujah. Amen. Lord bless you tonight. You may be seated. I start tonight by telling you worship is more than physical demonstration of emotion. We associate sincerity with exuberance or outward displays of affection. When in reality, Public displays are not always as meaningful. Ask any husband or wife what means more, a big gift once a year or the small things throughout the year. I learned this when I was a newlywed. It doesn't matter if you do something once a year. They'll put more emphasis on the small things quite often rather than going out of your way one time. Small things usually mean more. Worship is a lifestyle, not a display of affection. God desires relationship, not one-night romance. When we are consistent with our relationship, we maintain the high of the one-night romance. When we focus on our relationship with God, then we will always have the joy and the high of a Sunday night. Worship is more than shouting. Worship is more than just dancing and putting on an outward display of loyalty 
and praise, but worship in its purest form is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's not an event. It's not a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. Worship, when you boil it all down, is a lifestyle. Worship. Worship. Some people worship sports. Some people worship NASCAR. Those are diehard people. You get a hold of a NASCAR guy, I'm telling you, they worship that stuff. Worship. Worship is revealed by time. What you devote time to is what you worship. What you devote energy to is what you worship. People who devote their time memorizing all of these statistics of all of these players, who who can keep up with all of that? But that's what they worship because that's what they put their time in. Their worship. Worship. Sincere worship. In the early 1900s, late 1800s, English craftsmen in an effort to boost sales of furniture would sell their products at discounted rates. And the products looked beautiful. The furniture was finished just right. Everything was in place. Everything was beautiful. But when the wintertime came in those homes and that sofa, that couch, that rocker, whatever it was that they bought from that furniture maker, when it was in the room with the fireplace and, and the fire began to heat up, that furniture that they bought that they, that they thought was so beautiful, they found out was flawed furniture because these English craftsmen would take flawed furniture and they would fill it all with wax. They would fill all the gaps and the holes and, and everything, and they would wax it all up, and they, they would shine it all up, and on the outside, it looked beautiful. On the outside, it looked like a beautiful piece of furniture. But when the heat came, when the fire was hot, the wax melted. The filler exposed the real piece of furniture. So then, after that, craftsmen began to advertise their furniture, the good stuff. They would sell it as sincere furniture. Sin without, means without. Sear means wax. So their furniture was without wax. Their furniture was without filler. There was nothing in there that was hiding all the mess ups and all the flaws. There was, there was what, what you saw was really what you were getting. It was true through and through. Every aspect of that piece of furniture was true. It was sincere. 
Can I tell you tonight that what God desires most out of his people is not an individual that feels all of the flaws of his life with things and tries to make himself look like a Christian or look like an apostolic. He wants someone that wants is a sincere worshiper, a worshiper without wax, without all the filler. Someone who loves him through and through that when the heat gets going and the fire gets hot, uh, that they're going to make it. They're not going to be exposed as flawed or as a phony. Sincere, sincere worship. Worship through and through. A lifestyle that in every aspect of your life, you are reflecting the glory of God. Sincere worship. Jesus came to this woman at the well, a woman who was used to being rejected. That's why she went at the time of day that she did, was because no one went at that time. No one went and and would bother her or would judge her for going to the well at the time of day that she did. Jesus went to this woman and began to engage in conversation, asking to drink. You know the story. The woman said, Sir, why are you asking me to drink? Jesus goes on to say, woman, the drink that I have to give you, you'll never thirst again. The the, the discourse goes back and forth. Finally, she says, you know what? You've pretty much got me figured out. You pretty much nailed me down. And I I perceive that you're a prophet. I I perceive that, that you're someone that knows a little bit more than everyone else. And she said, our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Up until this time, worship was uh, based on a location, i.e. the tabernacle. They would go to a certain place and there the location was where the worship take place, took place. So what we are seeing in this text is a shifting not only in dispensations, but a shifting in mindset from location to lifestyle. Up until this point, no one knew worship as anything but at a place. Jesus steps on the scene and says, he says in verse 21, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, worship will no longer be relegated to a place. It will no longer be subject to location. He said, ye worship, ye know not what we know, what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers, sincere worshipers, shall worship the Father, Here's where the shift happens from location to lifestyle. In spirit and truth. Before, worship was at a location. Starting at Pentecost, worship shifted from location to lifestyle. So Jesus is taking this woman on a... Actually, he's trying to give revelation to this woman regarding worship. He says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
And this happened on the day of Pentecost. Worship shifted from a location to a lifestyle. Let's look at this more clearly. Worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So first we have to look at spirit. The origin of man's spirit is innocence. We were made in the image of God. God is pure. God is innocent. Therefore, the image of mankind was innocent. First John 4 and 6 says, Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. For thousands of years, humanity had a dead spirit stemming from Adam and Eve when the spirit of error was introduced. And thus began the spiritual warfare that goes on today. Now, once, once Jesus talks about the spirit of truth, or rather worship in spirit and in truth, some people have yet to connect with God because they are still living under the spirit of error. Just because you go to church doesn't mean that you're worshiping God in spirit. You may be living under the spirit of error or being bound by sin. How do we experience the liberty of God? Romans 6 and 7 says, For he that is dead is freed from sin. The only way you're going to experience the liberty of God is that you're going to have to die out in order to experience the newness of life. Patrick Henry once made this statement, Give me liberty or give me death. While that is admirable on his part, the kingdom of God operates differently. You can't have liberty until you experience death. You have to die out to your sin. When Peter stood up and said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the mission of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, everything is contingent upon step one, which is repentance or death. You have to turn away from those things in your life that is not pleasing to God, those things that are hindering you. You cannot worship God in spirit until you step out of the uh, the umbrella of the spirit of error and into the spirit of truth. The, the Bible says that you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. So the only way that you can experience truth or freedom is you have to die out to your sin, spirit. Spirit, there's plenty of people that know the word. You know the difference between a lot of the denominational churches that are running 20,000 and, and some that are running 100? They know the word better than anybody else. They understand truth they under, or, or the word, but they don't have the spirit. Spirit is what makes the difference. Jesus said the true worshipers, the sincere worshipers, are going to worship the Father in spirit and truth. Let's look at truth. Truth. Honesty. Honesty. Truth. In its simplest form, truth is honesty. We're living in a world in the past 20 years that has experienced an alarming decay in society as a whole. One reason, in my opinion, is lack of honesty. Lack of honesty. The motto of many people today is, it's not my fault. It's not my fault I'm an alcoholic. It's not my fault I'm a drug addict. It's not my fault I'm a thief. It's not my fault I do this or I do that or I do that. Our lives are being bombarded with complete moral failure, all stemming from lack of honesty. Honesty. Honesty and integrity are forgotten words in the vocabulary of America today. Honesty. Honesty. 
We're talking about God. God already knows everything. God already sees everything. He understands that we are human even though that, that, that we're filled with his spirit. We're still human. We're still flesh. We're still going to mess up. We're still going to do things that we're not proud of. He didn't ask us to be perfect. He wants us to be honest. Just be honest. Be honest. Adam and Eve messed up. They sinned and covered themselves. The Bible says the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? As if God didn't know where he was. God's asking questions. God knew Adam messed up. God knew all the things that happened. Why was God asking Adam? God already knew. God wanted Adam to come forward and be honest. Be honest. You know, many things can be avoided in our walk with God, a lot of heartache and a lot of bitterness, if we're just honest. You don't come to God in denial. The only way that you come to God is through honesty. The only way an alcoholic recovers is going is by being honest first. I've got a problem. As long as you live in denial, you'll never be able to worship him with sincerity. The only way, that, in the, according to, the, to Jesus Christ, to be a true worshiper is you're going to have to be honest. But people will mess up. They'll make mistakes. They'll do things. And then they'll act like it didn't happen. But their worship is hindered because they're not being honest with God. That's what grace and mercy is for. When you're honest with God, then you're utilizing grace and mercy properly for what it is for. You got to be honest with God. You got to be honest. If you're going to come to God first, you got to say, you know what? I need God. I need God in my life. Because if you, if you don't reach the point where you say, I need God, you'll never come to God. The first thing that happens when you come to God, the Bible says when the Spirit draws you, is you recognize your need for help. You recognize, you know what? I've pretty much made a mess of my life. I've done things I shouldn't have done. I've, I've embarrassed people. I've done things that hurt my family. I need God. That is being honest. Honest. People today, because of society, are not being honest with God. Therefore, they are not able to have liberty in their worship. I'm talking about everyday living for God liberty, not getting a one-time blessing to uh, liberty. I'm talking about every day a clear conscience before God, having a clear conscience, saying, God, you know what? I really, I really did try my best in this situation. Maybe it didn't come out like I planned. Maybe it didn't happen like I wanted it to happen. Forgive me, being honest with God, being honest. Jeremiah says, and you shall seek me when find me, when you shall search for me with your whole heart. Before you can search for God with your whole heart, you have to be honest. Yet, here's the mindset that I have. You know, there was a time in my life where I got yanked off the platform doing stuff I shouldn't have done. Now, it's one thing to be set down off the platform. My head got yanked off the platform so fast I was sitting here wondering, whoa, what happened? I would rather sit down and get right with God than stay up here and live wrong. 
That's how I look at it. And, and if I get sat down for something or if I get asked not to do something or wh- whatever, first thing I have to do is I have to be honest with myself. I have to look at myself and say, okay, Tyler, what, what really did you do to, to deserve this? And every time I really got down to bear tax, I knew I was in the wrong. But you got to be honest. You got to be honest with yourself. God already knows everything. But we try to walk around in denial as if we're victims. As if, whoa, everybody's against me. What did I do? You know what you did. You know what you did. It was not a matter of if, it was a matter of when you was going to get caught. You got to be honest. You got to be honest. You can't experience liberty until you're honest. You can't have true liberty in God until you're honest. Honest. Joshua 24, brother, if you could help me and put that on the screen. Joshua 24, beginning with verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served as the other side of the, on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve you the Lord. Jesus, what, what God is wanting them to do is remove everything that would reflect captivity. Remove everything in your, that you brought with you. Remember all they had when they were, when they were getting ready to flee was their personal belongings. And so they took everything with them. So when, when they step over, God's saying, okay, everything that would remind you of captivity has to go, has to go. I don't care if, if Momma made this for you. I don't care how sentimental you are. If it reflects captivity, it has to go. So what did they have to do? They had to sit there and they had to be honest. They had to be honest. When God saves you and fills you with the Holy Ghost and sets you on a new path, everything that would reflect the old life, everything in your life that would reflect captivity has to go. No man can serve two masters. If you're going to live for God, you live for God. I used to tell my young people, if you're going to be a sinner, be the best sinner you can be. Go drink it up, smoke it up, snort it up, live it up. I'd rather you know you're going to hell versus trying to ride the fence and just gamble the whole time. If you're going to be a sinner, be the best one you can be. But if you're going to live for God, you be the best Christian you can be. You live for God with your whole heart. God said, hey, I'd rather you, I'd rather you be cold than lukewarm. I'll spew you out of my mouth because you're trying to play both sides of the fence. You got to be, anything in your life that's going to reflect the old you. Anything that's going to reflect the world or captivity, you have to be honest about it and say, you know what? I can't hang around that person no more. I can't do this anymore. I can't go to those places anymore. Why? Because it represents captivity. It it will bring back spirits that will try to pull you back into that lifestyle. The best kind of break there is is a clean break. Best, will you break up with a girlfriend? You don't, and you're starting to date somebody. You don't want the old girlfriend coming around. You can't get over her or boyfriend. Best kind of break is a clean break. Move all the way to the other end of the world. Just get away from them. 
So it is with God. If you're going to live for God, you've got to get away from all that junk. You've got to be honest because worship is a lifestyle, not an event. And so every day you're trying to live for God. Every day, every day, one day at a time. Don't try to live for God a year at a time. Try to live for him a day at a time. And you'll end up in years. Somebody used to tell me, don't count your dollars, count your pennies, and you end up with dollars. So it is to live for God. Don't try to, I'm going to live for him for 10 years. Try to live for him for today. And you'll live for God for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years. Stand with me right now. And musicians come. God wants sincere worshipers. Worshipers that are worshiping spirit and in truth. Worshipers that will be honest with themselves. And with God, sincere worship, sincere worship. Heads bowed and eyes closed right now as he begins to play. I believe everybody in this building could say they want to live for God to the best of their ability. We all come from past hurts. We all come from various mistakes and backgrounds that nobody knows about. We all have those proverbial skeletons in the closet, if you please. But that makes no difference at Calvary's heel. That makes no difference when it comes to God's power and God's grace. Because it'll take the person that is the filthiest sinner. It'll take that person that everybody gave up on. It'll wash them in the blood of the Lamb. And it'll make them a testimony of the power of God in a believer's heart. I don't know what some of us are going through. I don't know if, if you're holding on to past hurts, past failures, disappointments, whatever you're trying to, whatever you're holding on to. I'm just saying tonight, if we'll be honest with ourselves and just give it to God and ask for forgiveness and His grace and His mercy. I invite everyone in the building tonight, from the front to the back, if we'll just make our way to the front. We're going to close this service with a time of honesty before God. God, cleanse our hearts and our souls. Cleanse our minds from things that are not pure. Cleanse our soul. Cleanse us, God, with the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb. Would you open up your heart this evening? God, we're honest before you tonight. We're honest before you.